Hey everyone, and welcome to the second edition of our April monthly leadership podcast on leading as leaders. I'm your host, Avery Nesbitt. Hey, if you are just joining us, if you haven't seen the first edition of the April podcast, uh, then stop now and go back and look at that. You can find it right here. If you've already watched the first one, then you are in for the second part of the interview with Katie Cole. She's the author of Developing Female Leaders, and we get into the why. We get into the drive and the motivation that kept her going so she could uh, not only bring this to pass, but bring about the past to other dreams, the other things that God has given her. So um, get ready for the rest of this interview. It was an amazing ending, and here we go. So one of the things that I, I think about a lot is there are things that are expected of us. You know, my kids are expecting dinner. So I've got a motivation to, to make dinner. Um, I've got little people asking for, for food, but there are some things that aren't expected of us. And when they're not expected, I can do them or I cannot do them. Um, no one was really clamoring for this book. No one was really beating the door down for someone to shine a light on some of these areas where we're not developing female leaders. Where did you get the drive? Where did you get the motivation to keep creating something that no one was asking for? And that even if you put it out, may not have been received well. How how did you keep going? Well, I think, uh, you know, as I referred to in the last Uh, episode is the story of just these men coming to me and wanting to get help. I am very motivated by people who are trying to make things better and for things that are broken. And I just saw some things that were broken and felt like I might be able to help that. Um, So that's really kind of the the part that got my my curiosity peaked or the thing where God sort of opened the door for me. But I think um, bigger than that for me personally is I had a really defining moment in college where my roommate was Um, we were uh, roommates and best friends um, through several years of college and then roommates our senior year and uh, senior year is a big year in college and I had um, done lots of studies and I had some plans I was going on a trip to Europe over the January term you know I was getting my art credit in a really fun way and I was leading a bunch of things Um, but my uh, roommate was diagnosed with cancer in the fall and she ended up becoming very very sick she stayed living with us and we took care of her through chemo and uh, she had a major surgery where she had to have one of her legs removed. It was really traumatic for all of us. But in the middle of that, when she was in the middle of chemo, um, I had already had this trip planned to Europe. And I remember when I signed up for the trip, I had this little hesitation and I was in my spiritual walk. I was really just learning about uh, how to listen to the Holy Spirit and really be guided in some of these gray areas where it's not like black or white, you know, you should always go or you should never go. It just, it's more of a, a sensing of his leadership. And I didn't really know how to read that well. And I kind of overanalyzed it and decided to just go for it. Um, but at the time, um, I ended up missing three weeks of her uh, treatment. And by the time I came back, she had gotten very, very sick. And I was sort of not in the same close connection with her that I was before I left because we were, I was really involved in her care. And uh, she went three weeks without me there and had to have other people step in. And uh, it was such a lesson to me of a missed opportunity because I felt like at the end of the day, God's always going to take care of someone. He's going to provide someone to care for her. But what happened is I missed out on the opportunity to be the one to provide that. And so um, the need was going to get met by someone. I just didn't get to do it. And I think that 
that defining moment has driven me for a lot of the ministry that I've done because most of the things that I've been a part of have been a little on the front end. They have been oftentimes controversial or high risk. They've been big projects. They had big things attached to them to not succeed would, would cost a lot, including um, part of my leadership reputation. So when I got to this point now, 20 or 30 years after that defining moment, it is very normal for me to feel like I'm in the front end of a conversation or something that's highly risky. Mm -hmm. And I'm so thankful I was faithful to learn those lessons and uh, be obedient to God's open doors all these years, because this is not the topic you jump in for the first risk of your leadership. (laughs) This is something that takes a little seasoning. And, um, you know, I think I went into it partly hoping it would be successful. And to be honest, partly hoping it would just sort of stay under the radar and not, you know, ruffle any feathers. (laughs) And so um, for me, I think that's really my motivation. I really did feel like God gave me an invitation. It could have been a calling, but I think um, I don't think I would have uh, disappointed him or, you know, undone his love for me at all if I hadn't done it, but someone else was going to do it. And I didn't want to miss out on the opportunity to bring my perspective and, and be the one in the seat for it. So I'm really, I'm really thankful that it's, turned out the way that it has and grateful for the whole experience. Yeah. So that's amazing because you're, you're saying is someone would have done it. So it might as well be you. Exactly. And I, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to miss out. Um, and like I said, I didn't clamor for it. I didn't have it on my radar. Um, but God has often invited me into opportunities and I just want to be someone who says yes. That's great. A lot of the people I talk to will that they've all got some dream. They've all got something that they're, they're trying to do or that they want to do that's on, that's on the inside of them. And the fears that are out there are often enough to talk us out of it. They're, they're often enough to say, oh, I don't, I don't want to risk it. I feel like there were some pretty big risk on the table um, with going down this line. Um, how did, is, and maybe it's just the same answer, but how were you able to shut down those fears and say, I'm willing to, you know, I've I've taken some smaller hills. I've taken some smaller battles. How are you able to shut down those fears of, will it be received? Will, will, will it not only be not received, but I will lose opportunities because of how it was received. How are you able to shut down the fears of what could and just press through and make it happen? I think fear is a huge piece of leadership and part of it is you want to take the wisdom of the cautions that you have and sort of measure them. I think for me, I can get into my head a little bit and usually I can tell when I'm in an unhealthy place because my fears end up coming around failure. They end up coming around disapproval. They end up coming around being overlooked or left out of something. And so when my fears are really about me um, and my reputation or, the, or the, the, the fact that people would like me or approve of what I'm doing. I know that I've kind of wandered into space that really isn't godly fear. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of human, my own human weaknesses. And I think we all have a different kind of script of when we know we've gone to the dark side of, you know, caution. <laughs> yeah. um, for me, I think I really had to go into this. And, and it's actually the mindset I had by starting my own business um, because it, that was a much bigger risk and bigger step for me. I feel like the book is sort of the overflow of that. It's a continuation of that. For me, it was shifting my mindset. And one of the things that many women struggle with, and I do as well, is just this pressure to be perfect or pressure to nail it or pressure to deliver well the first time. 
And for me, it was really this shift of just um, making it more about experimenting and testing the waters to see if God was in this. And so I'm going to start a business and do it for like a year. And if I've earned no money and I have no business and no work and no clients, I'll know that that experiment told me I should not have my own business. Right, <laughs> and so right. after a year, I had clients and I was making a little money. And so I'm taking that as a sign I should keep going. Right. And so I've kind of just tiptoed through this. And so I think even with the book, it's like, well, I'll kind of send in the proposal. And if it gets accepted, then I'll know that I should write it. And then I'll write it. And if the editor likes it and they decide to publish it, then I guess we'll go to published. And then if I send it to a few people and they actually endorse it, then I guess I should post it on social media. Just being okay, taking it one step at a time and knowing that I can pull the ripcord or God can pull the ripcord at any time and the whole thing is over. And it won't have anything to do with my value, my ability to listen to him. It's just a grand experiment. And I'm learning things along the way that God might be for now. It might be for later. It may just be to keep me busy till my real calling comes along. Who knows what it is, but I'm just going to try to enjoy the journey more and um, appreciate the experimenting attitude that allows failure. And it not only allows it, it actually expects it because when you experiment, failure is a part of the learning. Yeah. And that has been a hard, that's been a hard lesson for me to learn, but one that has really helped me be more willing to kind of um, put myself out there or do things that are riskier. And I'm, I always play the worst case scenario. What's the worst thing that can happen? So I get completely blasted on social media. Everybody hates the book. You know, women don't like me. Men don't like me. I'm like, well, the worst case scenario is I never go on social media again. That's not all that bad for someone's soul. So I guess I can, I guess I can handle it. It's like just playing those kind of words. And when you really play it out, you're like, this, there's really nothing to lose here. There's just an opportunity to be gained. As long as my ego and my value isn't attached to it, I have my identity in Christ secure. There's really nothing to lose by going for something. Wow. That is amazing. You very rarely hear people talk about what they want to do with their future as the grand experiment. <laughs> you know, you always think you have to nail it. You got to get it right. Just what you said. Uh, you very rarely hear go for it and see what happens and take that next step and that next step. That's so, that's so freeing to know I don't have to have the whole plan mapped out and perfectly executed. My 10 year plan perfectly executed. I can do this. And if that leads to this, then maybe I'll, I'll do this. I, I love that. And, but I've, you, that is so rare. It's so rare. Mm -hmm. And I wish more people um, thought like that and, and, and moved into that. And I think that's probably been a big part of why, um, developing female leaders has been received so much because it, it does feel like you said, let's see what happens. <laughs> That's exactly right. And I think, um, I think a no agenda life is a really helpful one. And at least it's a perspective that I try to carry. And I think even with the book, I really didn't have an agenda other than to help people who wanted help. And so it, as it turns out, there were a lot more people who wanted help than any of us realized. Um, but it's certainly not a book that's trying to convince or persuade someone to change their mind or change their direction or change their approach. It's just, if you want to get better or you want to see things move forward, here are some tips. Try them, experiment with them. If they don't work, then please don't do them. Like there's, <laughs> there's no rules in here. There aren't the 10 commandments of women leaders. There's just some ideas that might be helpful. I, you know, please take them and try them out and let me know how it goes. Wow. Well, Katie, this has been 
amazing. Thank you for making time and stopping by. Again, the book is Developing Female Leaders. I couldn't recommend it enough. It is a fantastic book. And Katie's already working on what the next grand experiment <laughs> is going to be. Um, so just stay tuned. Hey, uh, Katie, thank you again. Thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you again for this gift to uh, the body of Christ. And for everyone watching, um, hopefully something we've said today helps you as you're leading his leaders. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much. Bye.